In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Am I on? Yeah, cool. If you have a Bible, keep it open where it was. Thank you, Norman, for that. Um, I'm Stephen. Let's pray. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Amen. Those were not my words. Um, We'll come back to them in a little bit. In 1966, a 22-year-old woman heard the Lord tell her, go. So she boarded an international ship and traveled from port to port, waiting for God's permission to disembark. An invitation she eventually felt as she drifted into Hong Kong, where she would minister to the infamous drug-addicted, crime-riddled communities of the walled city. In 1939, Holland's first licensed female watchmaker found herself living through a world war, and she chose to live out her Christian faith through the non-violent protest of harboring Jews and overseeing a network of safe houses. She chose, in her own words, to trust an unknown future to a known God. In 1946, a young nun named Agnes Boyajou was on a train to the Himalayan foothills for a spiritual retreat when she heard God tell her to abandon her teaching work and instead to work in the slums of Calcutta. That was Jackie Pullinger, Corrie Ten Boom, 
and Mother Teresa. Well done if you got all three. Uh, they are all women treading the same path, weaving the same millennia-old pattern of having their lives interrupted by God, and yet responding with incredible faith and obedience. Interruptions can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. All of us participate in the communion of having had our lives seriously interrupted on March the 23rd, 2020, which was the start of the first lockdown. Uh, the interrupting cow, probably my second favorite knock-knock joke. You can ask me for my favorite after the service. Uh, in December of last year, Joya and I became parents. She's just down there, if you haven't met. Yeah, you can clap, yeah. <laughs> it was all thanks to me, so. Uh, um, she's over there if you haven't met her yet, and she's very cute. Um, yeah. So I'm sure many of you can relate. Having children is a major interruption. I mean that in the most beautiful and joyous and life-giving and hope-filled way. Because interruptions can be devastating, they can be hilarious, and they can be incredible and full of wonder. I don't always deal brilliantly with interruptions. I think it's just the way I'm wired, the way my brain works. I like to be able to sit down, focus on what I'm doing, and for the rest of the world to just wait until I'm ready again. But that hardly ever happens. Um, but what I'm learning, and what I think we see modeled for us in the reading that we had today, is that if God is gonna interrupt your life, he's not gonna do it to ruin you or to scare you or for the sake of silly punchlines. If God's gonna interrupt your life, it's gonna be because in him is life. He's gonna do it because he knows that he has freedom and fullness of life waiting for you in whatever he's calling you to. Maybe sometimes it will be a little bit frightening. Sometimes it might be a little bit funny. But the purpose of it will always be to bring you closer to him, for him to reveal more of himself to you and bring you into the part he has for you to play in his plan for this world. Mary's life was interrupted in a big way. From a humble carpenter's wife-to-be to the natural mother of the son of the Most High whose kingdom will never end. But Mary and Gabriel, from the reading, gave us some glimpses of the Father's heart and how we might step into some of what God intends for our lives. Firstly, don't be afraid. These are some of the first words that Gabriel speaks. And it's true that we read verses like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But that sort of fear is more of a piety or a reverence. One of the things that Jesus comes to teach us and that Mary gets a head start on here is that we must not be afraid of God. The apostle John says it like this. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. And in the life of Peter, we see this radical change at work. You can read what happens when Simon, who later becomes Peter, meets Jesus in Luke chapter five, which is just a few pages over from our reading this morning. Um, and Jesus borrows Simon Peter's boat and pushes out a little way from the shore so that he can teach all the crowds that have gathered there. And when he's finished his teaching, he says to Simon, 
push out into the deep water and let out your nets for a catch. And Simon says to him, well, we've been fishing all night and caught nothing, but because you've told me to do it, I will. And he does, and they bring in this incredible haul of fish, so big that they have to call their friends over to help them drag it to shore. And Peter's reaction to this is to fall to his knees and say, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. He realizes, starts to realize who Jesus is. And he pushes him away. Says, no, get away from me, for I am a sinful man. If we fast forward to the end, of, or after the end of Jesus' life, after the resurrection, um, at the end of John's gospel, there's another story which is really similar to that one. Peter and about half a dozen of the other disciples are on a beach, wondering what to do next. And so they do what they know best. They do what they've always done, and they go fishing. And Simon Peter pushes his boat out onto the deep waters, and they fish, and they catch nothing all night. Sounds familiar. And then in the morning, they see a man on the beach who calls out to them and asks them what they've caught, and they said, well, nothing. And he says to them, well, throw your nets over onto the other side. And they do. And they bring in this incredible haul of fish, so big that they can barely drag it to shore. And I think part of the reason that these stories have so many similarities is because the Holy Spirit wants to help us notice the difference. Because this time, whereas before Peter fell to his knees and pushed God away and said, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. This time, he throws his coat around his waist, jumps into the water, swims to shore, just so he can be near his Lord. I think at this point, I'm sure Peter still knows that he's a sinful man. But what has changed is that by now, he's got to know Jesus. He's learned to call him friend. This morning, Jesus would say to you, come as you are and do not be afraid. That was Jesus' answer to Peter when he fell to his knees and pushed him away. Jesus responds there like Gabriel does to Mary. Do not be afraid. This is what Jackie Pullinger and Corrie Ten Boom knew and what became real for them as they stepped into what should have been terrifying interruptions to their lives. That quote I read from Corrie Ten Boom earlier, the full version says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You may feel like your life has been interrupted and that you no longer have any idea what's gonna happen next, but you still know God. He's living in you. And every time you doubt, every time you worry, every time you stand on the brink, he's whispering, don't be afraid. Secondly, one of the things that we learn about Mary as we read on a bit in this story is as she parents Jesus and she comes to know him for who he is, she ponders and treasures things in her heart. One of the things I've learned so far in my short career as a father is that time doesn't go by at its normal speed anymore. There's some sense in which it feels like it's gone incredibly slowly, like she's only eight months old, and yet I can't remember a time when we didn't have her. But there's other ways in which it feels like it's going by in a blink. One day she's suddenly sitting up, now she's crawling, 
I'm sure she'll soon, before I've even got used to that, be walking and driving. And <laughs> her new thing is that um, for a few weeks now, she's been putting her arms up when she wants to be picked up. And her new thing over the last few days is if she doesn't want to be picked up, she does this. So you can't grab her. But anyway. So, lost my place now. So time goes by quickly, but I've got an amazing wife as well, who's really good at treasuring these moments. She takes loads of pictures, and uh, she writes down, she journals, and she keeps track of all of these milestones. And so in five or 10 or 50 years time, and every day between now and then, if we want, we can look back and reflect, and we can relive those moments, and probably learn to appreciate them on so many different levels. Let it be so with you and God. Be like Mary, who treasured things in her heart. Be like Jesus, who took himself away into the wilderness or up a mountain. Carve out the time to practice the spiritual disciplines of meditation and prayer. Find people in your life that you can share it all with. People that you can just talk it over with and say that these are the things that God is saying to me. These are the fights he's asked me to pick. These are the causes that he's made me passionate about. And just talk about it with no agenda, with no expectation that you'll come up with any answers or draw any conclusions. But just safe in the knowledge that there is a limitless depth to what Jesus can teach you from just one moment. Maybe you missed it the first time. Maybe you only experienced it on a surface level. Or maybe you gave up on it ever happening at all. God would again echo to you this morning the words that Gabriel said to Mary, no word from God will ever fail. And so I'd ask you in a few minutes when we come to worship again to start recalling some of those things. Start giving thanks to God for what he has done, what he is doing in your life. And if you can think of things or of words that he's spoken to that you're still waiting on the fulfillment of, bring those to him as well and hear him tell you, don't be afraid, my word never fails. When you know you don't have to be afraid and you know that God's word will never fail, you can pray the brave prayer that Jesus would interrupt your life and you can have the courage to stand in the face of those interruptions and say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That was Mary's prayer. And she learned the significance of what was happening to her. She prayed that prayer that we opened with. That was her song. Let it be our song too. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Amen.